This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Welcome to the Mom Room Podcast. My name is Renee Rena, and I am definitely the mom friend you have always wanted. Hello, and welcome to the Thursday solo episode. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about how labor and delivery of a child, of a baby, of a woman having a baby, is portrayed in the movies and on TV, and how that is damaging to our expectations of what labor and delivery is going to be like, which then leads to some people feeling let down because it wasn't, you know, the experience that they expected to have and so on and so on. And then just some ridiculous things that we always see on TV or in the movies when people have babies that is just not accurate in real life. I am recording this on Wednesday morning. Usually I record a few days ahead of when the episode's going to be published, but because I went away on the weekend, I wasn't home on Monday, and then yesterday I was just trying to catch up on a bunch of things, so I never had a chance to record, so I put it off till this morning. And now I feel a little bit rushed, but it's okay because it really doesn't take long to record the solo episode and then there's less editing to do, so it should be good. After I get this up, I am going to shower and get ready because I think we are going to try and bring Milo for dinner somewhere. In Ontario, the patios are open at restaurants, so we might go to a pub or you know a restaurant that has a nice patio and have dinner. So that's pretty exciting because I do not remember the last time we sat on a patio. I love summertime draft beers. And I always look forward to that. So because we haven't eaten at restaurants, obviously I haven't had a draft beer in forever. My favorite is a Stella so far. I haven't tried that many because I always end up just getting a Stella. But yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. So if we do find a patio that doesn't have a massive lineup or wait to get in, I am going to order a draft beer. I find the draft beer tastes so different from if you have beer out of a can or a bottle. So yeah, anyways, that's what I'm looking forward to today, which is a little bit sad, but that's the truth and that's uh, that's my reality after, you know, over a year of up and down lockdowns and not really doing much. So yay us for eating on a patio. Next week, I decided for the solo episode to talk about traveling alone with a baby or a toddler because I just woke up Saturday morning, everything was normal, I made pancakes for Milo, and I was just like, I need to go do something, you know? My husband was on call, and I figured he would be pretty busy, and I was like, I just don't want to have another weekend where I'm trying to entertain Milo in the house, in the backyard. Like, I want to go do something. So I FaceTimed my mom and I was like, is it okay if we just pack up the car and leave and come stay at the property? And I was like, maybe I should ask Meme since we'll be staying at her place. Uh, and obviously it was fine. They were excited that we went. But then 
reading a lot. I was nervous for the car ride because in my mind, I was like, okay, it's about four hours. I can do this. The tablets are charged. I have snacks. If I have to stop, I'll stop. Like, what's the worst that can happen? He cries in the back and has a tantrum. So I was also a little bit just because of how things have been going at daycare and I've needed the teacher to come help me get him in his car seat uh, a few days last week. I was nervous that if we do if or if we did stop that he wouldn't get back in his car seat. So that was a little terrifying. Um, But yeah, I just did it and it actually went so well. Um, The traveling part, the sleeping part, not so much. And apparently this is very common as I read your messages. But yeah, so many people were like, wow, you're so brave. Like, I'm terrified to travel alone. So I thought I would just do an episode and talk about my experience and what I did to try and minimize uh, chaos from happening. And yeah, maybe I'll put out something in my Instagram stories and have you guys chime in with tips and tricks and share those as well. So that will be next Thursday. So let's get into this week's topic. Last week, I asked you guys to tell me which labor and delivery scenes from TV or movies you thought were not funny, but, you know, just over the top or unrealistic, let's say. So everybody said knocked up, friends, uh, what to expect when you're expecting, And I think those were the top three. Someone else said Twilight, you know, when Bella has the vampire baby. Oh my God, that made me laugh so hard because like, obviously. But to be honest, if you watch Twilight and you think that's going to be your labor and delivery experience, then I don't know if I can help you. So maybe I will talk a little bit about why this is kind of a problem when it comes to how we expect our labor and deliveries to go. So I was brainstorming about this a little bit and what I think happens is we see all these labor and delivery uh, situations play out on TV and then it kind of shapes our expectations for what we're going to experience when we get pregnant. And then at the same time, we're watching all these things on TV and in movies and nobody in real life is talking about their actual experiences and what they went through and the struggles that they faced to kind of normalize what actually happens. So we're more focused and our expectations are more so aligned with what we see on TV. And even if it's reality TV, which is usually a better depiction, obviously, it's still edited and they leave so much out and people are not usually 100% honest with what's going on. So even that can set us up for false or, you know, unrealistic expectations. I will start off right away by saying that The postpartum period, especially those early days, those first few weeks, are never shown in TV and movies. Never in an accurate way, anyways. Can you think of any movie or TV show where they actually showed the postpartum period in an accurate way? Because I cannot. T 
TV and movies and even reality shows that show a labor and delivery, it is so focused on the labor and delivery and the labor and delivery are not glamorized, but they're so, you know, portrayed in this big, dramatic, exciting way that that leads us to only focus on that part of childbirth and postpartum. We don't even prepare for postpartum. We don't worry about postpartum recovery because we're never shown what that's like. And people tend not to talk about it honestly. It is getting a lot better recently, which is great, but people don't talk about their struggles. They don't want people to think they're having a hard time. They don't want people to think they aren't cut out to be a mom, that they're not enjoying being a mom. So they're less likely to talk about how hard the postpartum period can be. The physical, the mental, the emotional, all of that stuff. So when all we're shown are these big, dramatic, exciting, and sometimes scary labor and delivery scenes, now we focus all our attention on that and we, you know, over prepare for that even though every single person's labor and delivery is going to be different. It's really hard to prepare for it. I know a lot of people talk about having birth, the birth plan, which, you know, I like to call it birth preferences. I had worked with a doula when I was pregnant and we created a whole workbook thing of my birth preferences because you can't really have a plan because you don't know what's going to happen. And at the end of the day, you need to adjust to whatever your situation is. So it's not really in your control. So it's not good to call it a plan because then when that plan doesn't happen, you're let down and disappointed that things didn't go the way you wanted to. After having Milo, I thought about that a lot, how we prepare so much for labor and delivery. Like we go to classes to talk about labor and delivery. And I'm all about educating yourself on what labor and delivery is actually like. There's a great book called The Birth Partner, which I highly recommend. It goes through, you know, each stage and really it's also a guide for your birth partner, which is why it's titled that how to support you throughout labor and delivery. It's an excellent book. But anyways, we focus so much on labor and delivery and it's such a short temporary period of time. Whereas the early postpartum days, you know, it's weeks and months long and we don't do anything to prepare ourselves for that. So then when it does come and it's difficult and we're having a hard time, it's even more so um, upsetting to us because we were not prepared for it. We did not anticipate these things to happen. In my post early postpartum, I was shocked at the physical recovery part of it. Like, whoa, nobody told me that I was going to be insanely swollen to the point where I could barely wipe myself after going pee because it was just so uncomfortable. So anyways, that is my point with regard to how labor and delivery are depicted in movies and on TV. It's this big dramatic thing. It's not always this big dramatic thing, but it makes us scared for that moment. You know how, and it's, it depends, right? Like most labor and deliveries 
on like in the movies or on TV are very dramatic and the woman's screaming and it's chaotic and everything happens so fast like her water breaks they rush to the hospital she's admitted right away everybody's scrambling the baby comes out but I mean sometimes it's depicted in a totally unrealistic way which I'm hoping people realize is very unrealistic like for example in what to expect when you're expecting when the girl sneezes and the baby just comes out like come on that's clearly that's not accurate but anyways for the most part it's this big dramatic thing and then we fear it so we over prepare for that labor and delivery experience even though it's such a temporary short-term thing Shout out to Claritin for supporting this episode of The Mom Room and providing me with samples. You know how a lot of people can't leave the house without a water bottle? It's like their emotional support water bottle. I am the exact same way with facial tissues. And that is because I have such bad allergies, specifically in my sinuses, to the point where I know I'm going to have to blow my nose multiple times in a day, and I cannot be out in public without my emotional support facial tissues. Luckily, for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin Clear with Claritin D. Designed for serious allergy sufferers, Claritin D has two powerful ingredients in just one pill that relieve your allergy symptoms and decongest your nose so that you can breathe better. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Now I know if I have a big event, maybe I'm going to a concert, going out for dinner, I don't want to be blowing my nose every two seconds. It's very unbecoming. And so I will take Claritin D and enjoy my evening. Ready to live life as if you don't have allergies? It's time to live Claritin Clear. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter or ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy. You don't even need a prescription. Go to Claritin.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin Clear. Use as directed. This episode is brought to you by Little Spoon. If you're like me, then the bane of your existence is thinking about what to feed your children, prepping food, going to the grocery store, all of the above. Who has the time? We are all so busy, and it's important to incorporate things into our life that keep our life as simple and convenient as possible. Lil Spoon is one way to do just that. They deliver fresh, healthy meals and snacks straight to your door that your kid will love at every eating stage they are in. The baby blends are fresh, organic baby food from single ingredients to multi-textured purees to take the stress out of starting solids. They partner with Clean Label Project to test their blends for 400 plus contaminants, including heavy metals. So you know you're getting good stuff. The Biteables are finger food meals that are cut to size to promote easy self-feeding and they are healthy, balanced, and free of artificial junk. The Little Spoon Plates are toddler and big kid meals that are free of junk and they taste amazing. Even the pickiest eaters will love them. Think hidden veggie mac and cheese, chicken nuggets, and adventurous eats like potstickers, gnocchi, and more. They also offer really fun things like puffs, they have smoothies, lunchers, and snacks. You quite literally never have to think about food again. It's just easy peasy. And did I mention this all comes right to your door? It is so flexible, so easy, and everything stores right in the fridge and freezer. The price is right. The quality is unmatched. You are going to love it and your kids are going to love it. It is just a huge win for your family. 
Simplify your kids' mealtime with 30% off your first order. Go to littlespoon.com slash momroom and enter our code momroom at checkout to get 30% off your first Little Spoon order. My husband and I both turn the big four zero next year, and we have been thinking a lot about our long-term health. We want to get smarter about our health, make better choices, but also not feel overwhelmed trying to separate fact from fiction. There is so much information out there, and it can be hard to figure out what applies to you, what is right, and what is wrong. Well, let me introduce you to the Zoe Science and Nutrition Podcast. With the help of world-leading scientists, they help you make smarter health choices every week. Don't just take my word for it. Naomi's Apple Review says, Zoe Science and Nutrition is super easy to consume even if you don't understand the science. With loads of actionable tips, a great mix of guests, and interesting cutting-edge science. You can't go wrong with a weekly podcast where world-leading scientists explain how their own research could improve your health. If you're ready to join millions of others like Naomi transforming their health, then search for Zoe Science and Nutrition wherever you listen to podcasts. Another thing that's never depicted is traumatic birth situations, you know, having to undergo an emergency C-section. You never see that in movies or in TV. It's just a, a typical easy, like I say easy, even though the woman's screaming and, you know, but it seems very short and the baby comes out vaginally and that's it. So it almost minimizes what some women actually experience in labor and delivery, which can be very traumatic and have a lasting effect on them into the postpartum period. It's just, it's it's almost like this thing, and I hate, you know, when I post TikToks about postpartum being difficult or not wanting visitors or, you know, how you can support people in the postpartum period. And then people comment things like, oh my God, relax. You just had a baby. And it's like, well, that's the problem. It's so minimized. And just because it happens often, like a lot of women have babies every single day, people minimize what it means and what someone's experience can be. In our culture, anyways, I feel like in our culture, the postpartum period is not respected at all. Having a child is not respected at all. People don't consider the mom. Once the baby is born, it's like there's no consideration put on the mom. Like people want to come visit the baby and just the baby. And it doesn't matter if the mom doesn't want visitors. Like it's all about the baby and other people, which is bullshit. And yeah, people have this attitude like, okay, you just had a baby. Everybody has babies. Okay. Like calm down. Like you just had a baby. And it's like, you know what? Like screw you. It is a big deal. It can be very traumatic for some people. It's not, if somebody was in the hospital going through such a stressful, um, you know, situation for some other kind of issue, people would be like bringing them hot soup and get well cards. But A woman has a baby and it's just like, okay, yeah, so does everybody else, okay? Like, it's not a big deal, but it is. Oh, I didn't think I was going to have lots to say, but I'm clearly on a little bit of a rampage here. So some of the things that specifically are, 
usually seen on TV or in the movies when it comes to labor and delivery, which does not actually happen in real life for the most part, are someone's water breaking, like, you know, in the middle of Walmart or as they're driving their car. This is usually how labor starts in movies, which is completely inaccurate. And I think they just use this as a way to start labor in movies and on TV because it's exciting and it's like, you know, it makes for good TV. Um, So actually only 15% of women experience their water breaking initially. Usually what starts labor, like what starts first in labor are contractions. Um, So yeah, I know for me and many other people that I talk to, they actually have to have their water broken in hospital after they've already been there for a while going through contractions. So that is, you know, a myth. And then usually after the water breaks, this is on TV and in the movies, they rush to the hospital. They're admitted right away. It's this big, exciting, um, you know, situation. There's nurses and doctors scrambling, which like, to be honest, that rarely happens. Usually what happens is you're at home, you're going through contractions for a long ass time. They're getting stronger and stronger. You're timing them. You know, my friend was having contractions watching a hockey game. Like it's very, very uh, like a long process and not exciting at all. And oftentimes women will go to the hospital to be admitted and they send them back home because they aren't at the point where they need to be admitted yet. So it's like, It's a long, boring, can be a boring process. Now, don't get me wrong. There are some situations which are the opposite and they are very exciting and women end up having babies in the cars on the way to the hospital. But I'm just talking about for the most part. Again, you never see C-sections on TV or in the movies, which actually happens a lot. There's also never any inductions in TV or the movies, you know, having a planned induction. It's because they want the big, exciting, you know, the big, exciting water breaking, rushing to the hospital. Um, But yeah, a lot of people have planned C-sections. A lot of people end up having an emergency C-section, which can be, you know, very upsetting. Um, Oftentimes in the movies and on TV, you will see that the baby comes out face up because, you know, for the cameras, like they want the doctor holding the baby and the baby's face up so that they, you, we can see them. And that's not really the case. Usually babies are face down when they come out of the birth canal. Um, oftentimes, newborn babies are really chubby and they're clean as a whistle, right? That is not the case. Uh, dirty baby, not dirties. We should we could call them dirties actually, but babies are pretty icky when they come out of the birth canal. I mean, think about it. They have been in amniotic fluid. They are covered in vernix, which is like this white paste all over their body because that, if you think about it, like what would happen to our skin if we were sitting in fluid for nine months? You know, it would be pretty grotesque. So they are covered in vernix, which is like a white paste and that protects their skin in the uterus when they are in like swimming around in the amniotic fluid 
Now, some people will opt to have their baby um, given a bath when they're in the hospital after they are delivered. We chose not to because I was reading a bunch of stuff about how leaving, like obviously we wipe them down and clean them up, but I didn't want him to be like submerged in water and washed because that stuff that was on his skin from the birth canal and the uterus and all that stuff actually is really good for their skin. So I wanted it to be on his skin for as long as possible. And I think we gave him his first bath when he was five days old, which is crazy. Well, it might seem crazy to some people, but he never had any skin issues. And I'm sure it's more so due to genetics and not the fact that I didn't wash him for five days. But I must say, his he never had skin issues ever. So I would recommend doing that if if I were you and saying no to the bath at the hospital. Um, so I was reading online that usually babies that are portrayed or like, I guess you would call them actors because they are, you know, in TV or on a movie. Those that are the newborns in these scenes are usually two to four weeks old. So if you have a child, can you remember what they looked like when they first came out? Like I know Milo was a small baby. He was, I think, six pounds. So he was really thin and a little bit wrinkly and, you know, he had was covered in like body hair. He still kind of is actually. But you never see babies on TV or in the movies that actually look like newborns. They are more round and they're super clean. They are chubby, much cuter, I would say, than a newborn that has just come out of the womb. Um, So yeah, they are typically two to four weeks old. So the youngest actors ever. Um, They don't have a cone head. You know, a lot of babies are having a misshapen head after being pushed through the birth canal. I mean, fair enough. It makes sense. Um, But yeah, so keep in mind that those babies that you see on TV or in the movies are, they can be up to a month old. Something that I posted about the other day was not crying after the doctor handed me Milo. Um, That was my experience. Apparently that was a lot of other people's experience as well. And I think in movies and on TV, you always see that scene where the baby is put on the mother's chest and then she like breaks down crying. It's like this big euphoric experience. Um, And not everybody has that. I would actually argue that most people probably don't have that and whether it's you know they're in shock from what had just happened they are crying and you know in relief of the pain being over there's so many emotions that are going on at that time and like anything else in life everyone is going to respond to these really heightened emotions in a different way But what happens is when you're constantly inundated with these um, visuals of a doctor putting a baby on the mom's chest and she breaks down and she's like having this big, you know, overjoyed emotional experience. If you then don't have that in your own labor and delivery experience, you feel like there's something wrong with you. Like, why am I not having that experience that I see everyone else have? 
But little do we know that not everybody, and I would argue that most people, do not have that experience. I always say, I did not cry when Milo was a newborn, when he was born. Like, I was just kind of like, oh, hey, like, nice to meet you. Hi, like, I'm going to take care of you now. Um, I probably cry more so now. He does little things now as he develops and grows a little personality. And I'm like, oh my God, my baby. But when he was newborn, it was just like I was getting to know him. I didn't have this big reaction. You never really see in the movies or on TV women birthing the placenta. I mean, probably not doesn't make for good ratings, I guess. Like, but that is something that happens. I seriously don't remember doing it at all. I don't know if I was just kind of like out of it, but yeah, you don't see that part of it. You don't really see the doctors having to stitch up the mom and kind of the stuff that goes on right after the baby is born. It's kind of like the baby comes out, we put it on her chest and that's it. Like we're all done here. Also, I would say that usually it seems as though the mother and, you know, the partner, they have their baby in the hospital and then they leave. You don't really see the hospital stay and what that entails. So all the nurses coming in and doing the testing, you know, the the Billy Rubin test and the, you know, constant monitoring of the baby and of the mom and pushing on the mom's stomach to get the blood out and the first pee and all of this stuff, which is, you know, it's a lot and it's a process, but you don't see that at all in TV or on movies. And that is part of the whole, you know, they don't show the postpartum period at all, probably because it's not exciting and it's not sexy and it's difficult. And again, when that's all you're seeing and then nobody in real life is talking about what that experience is like, it can make for expectations that are then not met. And then you're like, oh my God, what is going on? From what I can recall, you don't really see breastfeeding that often on TV or in the movies. Am I wrong or am I right? If if you can think of a movie or a TV show that is, you know, showing a mom having a baby and she does breastfeed, leave it in the comments on the post about this episode on at the mom room podcast, because I'm super curious because I'm trying to think back about a TV show or a movie, like a pop culture kind of like knocked up or something like that. And I can't remember anyone breastfeeding. I just remember bottle feeding. So let me know if you can think of one, um, because I'm really curious about that. One of my favorite topics to talk about is visitors, both in the hospital and after you get home. And obviously, TV and movies, it's like everyone and their dog comes to visit in the hospital and then also is at their house. They throw parties. It's like this big thing. And the mother is just fine, right? So that is something that really sets people up to be shocked when you don't want visitors in the hospital. You feel like you just want to be at home alone with your baby, breastfeeding and sleeping. But in movies, on TV, it's like, no, 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 you have a baby and it's a party. People come visit, it's all happy. And, you know, you're supposed to just put a smile on your face and let everyone pass around your baby and be in a good mood. And that's not the case at all. Oh my God, if I do one thing in life, it is to stress the point that 
we should be respecting the postpartum period more and we should not be expecting to have a bunch of visitors come over. It should be a private, calm, relaxed time. And when the mother wants visitors, she will let you know. And then you can go visit. That is like my mission in life. And sure, I do hear from people on social media that say they couldn't wait to have visitors and they really liked that part of the postpartum uh, period. And that's fine. But I would say, again, the overwhelming majority of people do not want visitors, do not want a big gathering at their house, do not want people passing around their baby. They want peace and quiet and to be alone with the baby. Obviously, we want help. And usually it's the people that we're closest to that will come over and, you know, help us clean, help us cook, whatever it might be. We do want support. Don't get me wrong. But we don't want visitors that are coming solely to see the baby. And again, people don't like when I talk about this because their response is always, oh, you expect people to come help you, but you don't want us to see the baby. And it's like, yeah, yeah, I do. Because if I was at home with the flu, you would come over to support me and help me. But now that I had a baby and I'm in like crazy physical pain, I'm emotional, I'm like trying to adjust to this new life, you can't come help out you know but it's this like mental like people have this idea of women having babies and it's like oh relax you just had a baby everybody has a baby like boo 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 or a lot of the times what I think is people who have that perception or that attitude about it are the ones who had a child really struggled and they received no support so in their minds they're like well I didn't have anybody so like why should you like I'm fine we're fine but no you probably weren't fine and you probably really needed support and to have help but you didn't which is really sad so hopefully this whole you know postpartum how we treat it in our society today changes but um I don't even remember what my point was oh yeah that everyone has visitors and stuff on tv but yeah you don't have to if you don't want visitors say no have one close friend or family member that is going to be like the gatekeeper for you and you can just communicate with them and they can communicate with everyone else and let people know when you're ready to have visitors and that's it I would like to create, uh, I've said this many times, so maybe I should get on it, but a greeting card that is kind of like a card that we can send out to family members and friends before we have the baby that says, you know, we are going to have a baby. Like here are our expectations of the situation. We may not want visitors initially. So here are things that you can do if you want to support us, blah, blah, blah. Like I think that is such a good idea for a greeting card and that needs to exist in every single drugstore. So lastly, I will just point out that it is interesting to me that on TV and in movies, we can have these really gruesome, horrific, violent scenes of all different kinds of things happening to people but we don't have accurate depictions of childbirth and why that is I think it has a lot to do with women's bodies being sexualized in our culture um, which is also why we don't see breastfeeding why people shy away from breastfeeding and think it's weird and you know because they sexualize women's breasts um, like that's just straight facts when really breasts 
literally exist to feed babies. And I'll, I'll say it again, you know, people have no issues drinking cow's milk that comes from the breast of a female cow, but, or an udder. Do we call it breasts? I'm not sure. Anyways, they will drink that their whole life. But they think it's weird if a two-year-old is breastfeeding from their human mom. And that is strange thinking, in my opinion. So anyways, this was my little rant about TV and movies. I kind of went off a few times, but hopefully it was entertaining, educational, made you think about things a little bit differently. I, you know, if you are pregnant, if you know someone who's pregnant and that they haven't experienced childbirth before, I would say do the education, get the book, The Birth Partner. I will link it in the episode notes. Try and watch some real life uh, documentaries. Um, The Business of Being Born is pretty good. There's other documentaries. Maybe in my uh, stories on my Instagram, I'm going to ask people to tell me their favorite labor and delivery documentaries. Um, read up about the postpartum period, um, educate yourself for sure, but really manage your expectations and try to have birth preferences and not so much a plan. I thought for my situation, I just kind of went with the flow and I didn't have any concrete, like this has to go this way. Like I just kind of made decisions in the moment. I had my sister and my husband there. Um, but yeah, so do all the education, but don't have these unrealistic expectations and try to talk to people and hear their real life experiences and watch some really good documentaries that, you know, portray childbirth in a realistic way. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you don't already, please follow me on Apple Podcasts, um, rate, review, and you know, when you write a review, it really helps boost the show. So I would really appreciate it if you went and just wrote a little tiny review about, you know, how much you love this podcast. If you don't follow the podcast on Instagram, you are missing out. That is at the mom room podcast. And of course, I am on Instagram and TikTok at the dot mom dot room. Next Tuesday is our 100th episode. I'm so excited for you guys to listen to it. It is with Tara Clark from Modern Mom Probs. We had an awesome conversation. So look out for that. If you haven't listened to this past Tuesday's episode with Git Holm Muller, I definitely recommend you listen to it. It's all about mealtimes with your kids. Some great advice, some great perspectives on how to view mealtimes with your children and food struggles. So yeah, um... That's about it for now. I hope you guys have a really good weekend. I am going to go get ready and try and be productive. I really need to be physically active because, oh my gosh, like why is this so hard for me? I'm going to look at Peloton bikes. So that's what I'm going to do right now. Um, Thanks again for listening and I hope your children sleep tonight. Not like Milo last weekend. Are you looking for a podcast that'll make you laugh? You came to the wrong place. That's not us. That's not us. (laughs) 
Well, it is. We are a husband and wife who chat about raw, real relationship yeah, topics. like sex. Like money. Like marriage and kids. But we're not afraid to talk about how your newborn baby probably isn't as cute as you think it is. If you're in need of entertainment while you're driving to work, because that sucks, we can join you in the suckage, kind of like being in your ear. Not physically. So if you want to laugh, come check us come out. Come check us out. Brought to you by the Laughing Couple Podcast. Ha, <laughs> <laughs>